0: Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's time. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Gone Bridge podcast episode 17. My name is Andrew Gardner joined alongside by Alex Claussen and Steve Brady. Boys, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's been a good week for the Gone Bridge podcast. We got some more good news today. Let's get into it.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Couldn't
0: be in a better mood. Let's go. Red Sox are back. Spring training is kicking up. We don't have much news on that, but we do have a very special guest joining us this episode, as I'm sure you guys have seen by the title. Uh, Yeah, we're super excited to welcome Joe Bradley, the Vice President of Baseball Operations and Community Relations for the Woo Sox, which is awesome because if you've been listening to the show, you know, pumped we are for the woo socks woo Woo. socks woo Woo. um before we get into this anything you guys want to say on the interview uh before we'll uh we'll transition into it i'll give you guys that and then we'll we'll throw in some news at the end Uh, great interview
2: thanks to joe for coming by appreciate it hope everybody enjoys it
1: yeah shout out joe bradley super gracious of him to come on it was an awesome interview awesome to get to know him a little bit and uh, yeah, I after the interview, I, I really couldn't be more excited for the Woo Sox this season.
0: Yeah, he uh, he threw us a we, we I mean, you guys will hear it in just a couple minutes here, but uh, yeah, I mean, we went into everything: who to look out for, uh, you know, just it, all around. Give it a listen, and you will be excited for the Woo Sox, I can guarantee you that. So, without further ado, we present Joe Bradley. <music> We are joined today by a very special guest, Joe Bradley, vice president of baseball operations and community relations for the Worcester Red Sox. Thank you for hopping on the show today, Joe, how are you doing today?
3: Hey guys, I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me on here. Super excited to have
0: you on. I know I speak for the three of us and saying that we're all super excited for the Woo Sox next year. Um, our first question is how has that transition gone? Um, Actually, more importantly, uh, how did you start working with the Sox?
3: Sure. Yeah. So when I graduated from Union College um, back in 2014, um, I was an intern with the Red Sox in 2012. Uh, That was sort of how I got my foot in the door with the organization. Um, And then when I graduated from Union, um, they had a job waiting for me in community relations and public affairs. Um, and so I spent my first two two years out of school um, working for the Red Sox at, at Fenway um, for the rest of the 2014 season and uh, the entire 2015 season. Um, and then when Le- when Larry Lucchino had stepped down as president of the Red Sox uh, back in back in 2015, um, he had assembled a group of owners to acquire the Paw Sox. Um, and when that sale happened um it sort of caused uh, a few young guys myself included to make the the transition from from boston um to AAA. and um you know we spent the following three years uh doing everything we could to to keep the possacks uh in rhode island but um you know things sort of worked out the way they did we, we couldn't be more excited about relocating to um, the city of Worcester. Um, it's really just been a community that's, that's welcomed us uh, with open arms. Um, the new ballpark is a little bit over 85% completed at this point, And, and we're sort of aiming to have it fully operational by April 1st. So we're uh, really looking forward to having it be the new home, um, the new A home of, of the Red Sox and, uh, and having it you know, be a gateway for all the future Red Sox stars uh, to come. Definitely.
0: So how does the transition work from Pawtucket to Worcester? What kind of goes into that? I'm sure not a lot of people see all the behind the the scenes stuff, but what kind of goes into that transition?
3: Yeah, sure. You know, it it certainly wasn't um, an easy decision. Um, You know, like I said, we spent over three years trying to keep the team, in Rhode Island, and we we had a proposal in place that was passed by uh, the Rhode Island Senate, um, pending approval from uh, the House of Representatives in Rhode Island. Um, and you know, the more delays that we sort of faced at the at the state level there, the more opportunity it gave for for cities across New England to uh, kind of reach out to us and and make make competitive offers for us, but. Uh, You know, from the beginning, we always sort of felt that that Worcester um, made the most sense. Um, It it certainly wasn't an easy decision. We are also, thankfully, you know, we're not moving far away or or across the country or anything like that. We're not relocating to Idaho or or anywhere too too far away. You know, we're only moving less than an hour away. Um, And, you know, I can't – when I go to the winter meetings – every year there weren't any winter meetings this year, but uh, I can't tell you how many people I see at the winter meetings on a yearly basis who uh, either were a part of a team that got sold and just moved across the country. Um, Cause you know, a lot of times that happens when when teams sell and, and new ballparks get constructed uh, a lot of times teams can, you know, relocate far away, but we're very much, saying in, in the heart of New England, um, we still certainly hope that uh, many POSACs fans and Rhode Islanders uh, will certainly still come to uh, Sox games uh, because at the end of the day, you know, POSACs fans are Red Sox fans, uh, just like WUSACs fans are, are, are diehard Red Sox fans. Um, and, you know, particularly in some certain towns in the northern part of the state, in Rhode Island, whether you're talking about Smithfield or North Smithfield or Woonsocket or, or Barville, towns like that, uh, you know, a lot of those towns in the northern part of the state are, are equidistant from Pawtucket to, to Worcester. So, you know, we're we're still hoping to uh, galvanize uh, the support of a lot of those fans. Um, we're, we're also still keeping our Paw Sox Foundation active um, in 2021, and in using that as, as a mechanism to to still support so many of the longtime community partners and, and organizations that we still have great relationships with, so um, you know we don't feel like we we don't want to turn our back on on Rhode Island. Uh, we still have so many great relationships and, and ties in that state, um, but we are really excited for our season to to finally be getting underway uh, April 13th in Worcester.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a a hard decision to move away from Pawtucket. You guys have been there forever, and it was like growing up. It was always the Paw Sox. I would go down catch a Paw Sox game every season. It was just fun. Um, McCoy Stadium was an awesome place. Um, You know, Pawtucket's not too far from me, so it was easy to go down. And you know, you touched on it a little bit just answering that last question. But uh, when the organization gets together and decides we want to go to Worcester or where they want to move forward from Pawtucket, you know, what are some of those? decisions you have to make some of those factors that you have to put into play of where you want to move the team when you're moving them out.
3: Sure. You know, I think, I think each, each circumstance um, is different, but I, I know with ours, you know, we had a, a, a ballpark in McCoy stadium uh, that was built on a swamp in, in 1942 um, and, and certainly had a lot of structural challenges um, McCoy Stadium is also located in a part of Pawtucket you guys have been been to some games um, it's it's sort of right dab in the smack of a of a neighborhood and in the new ballpark that we were trying to build in Rhode Island uh, the proposed site that we had was a bit closer uh, to Pawtucket's downtown so uh, a bit closer to City Hall um, a bit closer to a uh, commuter rail station that is, is going into Pawtucket um, soon. Uh, it also would have been highly visible um, off of, of 95, the interstate. Um, and if you look at all of the ballparks that Larry Lachino is, has built um, whether it's Camden yards in Baltimore, uh, Petco park in San Diego um JetBlue park in Fort Myers. And, you know, if you look at all the renovations that he's done to, to Fenway park, over the years, since since the ownership group uh, took over back in 2002, you know, one one common theme with all those ballcar ballparks is that they're centrally located, right in the heart of a city where um, where lots of surrounding development can can take place. Um, and I think uh, Laquino and, and all of us have always viewed ballparks as catalysts for uh, redevelopment. Um, and where we're building this new ballpark. In Worcester, it's right in the heart of, of Kelly Square, um, and you know you're already starting to see some of that redevelopment uh, take place. Whether it's uh, biotech that's coming in right across the street from Fuller Park, hotels, uh, we have a 350 car parking garage uh, that's going in, and and so I think one of the things that we're most excited about is uh, to see some of that revitalization um, and all of the the energy that's going into to Worcester's um, canal district. So um, again, there, there's all sorts of factors that you look at, but you know when we when we were trying to build a new ballpark in Pawtucket, that was that was certainly a part of the vision. Um, you know, putting putting a ballpark and building a new ballpark in a place where it can do the most good uh, for a city.
1: Yeah, no, that makes total sense, especially in Worcester. You know, Worcester's kind of up and coming. You know, they have some nice nice uh, nice areas of Worcester. Um, and then right around Kelly Square, I don't know if you ever tried to drive through it. Uh, not oh, the yeah. easiest, not the easiest the intersection in the world, but yeah, you know, it just all re-did. in that same you know radius of Worcester is all those colleges. You know, tons and tons of kids um, that can easily get to Polar Park. So you know, it looks like an awesome spot. We're we're all super excited for it.
3: Yeah, you you mentioned it. Worcester is, is certainly a college town too. You know, eleven colleges um, and universities in in Worcester. So we we certainly want to want to work with them um, and if, if there's way that we we can host college games there when the time comes um, we want to we want to do all that uh, and certainly uh, get creative with, with some marketing and some fun things that we, we can do for students uh, while school is is in session so um, those are all things that we're looking forward to for sure yeah I know that I speak for all of us when I say that this move to Worcester
2: has kind of ignited a lot of excitement, especially in terms of uh, focusing on the minor league aspect of the Red Sox organization. And we've been looking at the Woo Sox Twitter and looking at all the things that they're posting on there, and we're getting really excited. And the move has just been one of those things that during the pandemic, there's not a whole lot to get excited about. And it's something that like building a new ballpark, we're all just really looking forward to uh, the next upcoming Woo Sox season and seeing how it plays out in the new location. But focusing on you for a second, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what your specific responsibilities in, uh as the vice president of baseball
3: operations for Worcester and in the Red Sox organization in general are? Yeah, sure. No, no problem. So, um, you know, the, the, the baseball side of my job would what we do with the WUSOX is, you know, it's, it's part of our job to make sure that all of the facilitation player facilitation up and down from, from Boston um, and our AA affiliate in Portland, you know, it's our job to make sure that all that stuff goes smoothly. So um, working hand, hand in hand with our PR director, our manager um, and all of the the player development staff um, in Boston to make sure that, you know, when players get called up, when, when they get sent down, um, you know, making sure that all that stuff goes smoothly. Um, I I also oversee all of our community relations programs. So um, getting some of those players out in the, out in the community. Um, You know, I've also been involved. uh, As I mentioned, it it, part of polar park too. Um, We just launched our new WUSOX foundation is as well. So um, getting that, off the ground is uh, is something that we're we're really looking forward to and excited about. Um, you know, l- last season things certainly looked a little bit different for us. We had no no final season at McCoy Stadium. We had a taxi squad of of about thirty or so Red Sox players uh, at McCoy Stadium who would um, sort of just work out and scrimmage and and train uh, against each other every single day uh, last summer. So, um, you know, part of what what me and my team did last summer was to just make sure um, that the alternate site went smoothly. Um, thankfully, we had no positive COVID tests uh, and a lot of the players who we had on hand uh, were able to, go up and and make some exciting contributions uh, to the Red Sox. So we were, we were all really thrilled and excited about that. But uh, you know, I think we're even more excited this year that uh, we're going to be actually seeing some games um, and we have the schedule now. So um, we're really looking forward to, to that.
0: So in a normal season, I mean, even last year, there's a lot of movement between AAA and the MLB What's kind of the process in your role? Does do you get a call from Haim? Like, what's your relationship with him? And then, what's kind of the process of moving that player up to either Boston or moving them down to Portland? How does that kind of work?
3: Yeah, you know, it's it, it's usually Haim and uh, and Ben Crockett, uh, who's director of player development, that um, will will call members of our uniform staff. So uh, so our manager um, and and then it really just sort of goes on from there. Um, and, you know, a lot of times things can get complicated. If, say, the Red Sox are, are playing on the West Coast and Raphael Devers pulls a, a hamstring, but, uh, you know, the Wusoks are, are playing the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs in, in Pennsylvania, uh, it's like, all right, all of a sudden we got to figure out how to get an infielder on a plane uh, from Philly to Seattle in, in the drop of a hat. So there's a lot of logistics that sort of go on uh, behind the scenes. Um, Haim actually spoke to members of our Worcester Red Sox booster club a couple weeks ago. So it was cool for, for Sox fans to connect with Haim and sort of pick his brain on, uh, on some young prospects. But uh, I myself do not, uh, have as much hand-to-hand um, communication with him um, during the season he he did come to the alternate site uh, in Pawtucket last summer to, to see some action and we hooked him up with some Mosackcks gear and poss gear so I, I enjoyed catching up with him then but um, normally you know that chain of communication runs through um, our, our manager and and we it's it sort of upon all of us to make sure that uh, that everything goes smoothly
1: Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you, uh, you do deal with players quite a bit. Um, Have you, so in your tenure, you've been there for a little bit. A lot of these guys that are on the Sox now have kind of made their way through the minors, made their way through Pawtucket. Has there anybody, has there been anybody that you saw that really stuck out as like, wow, this guy is really good, or somebody that you had a really good personal relationship with, like anything like that when they were coming up?
3: Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to to share a, a few good anecdotes, you know, last summer, I, I think about, uh, I thought about Tanner Houck. I I was so excited to see Tanner Houck uh, put in all the hard work that he did at the alternate site uh, and then get called up and win a, win a couple games against the Yankees. You know, you guys might remember when, when Houck got called up and faced the Yankees, even though the Red Sox were, were out of it at that point, Um, You know, those those were some big, meaningful games for the Yankees, some must win games for the Yankees. So going up and and doing what he did and seeing him strike out guys like Aaron Judge after uh, watching him put all the hard work that he did uh, in Pawtucket. uh, It was it was something that all of us were were really uh, excited to see. Um, Same goes for for a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck, who. Uh, put a lot of hard work in at the alternate side and, uh, and went up and, and had some success with the Red Sox over the summer. So uh, I think those are a couple recent guys that come to mind. But, you know, you also, um, other stories that that I, that I think about are, you guys might remember a, a left-handed pitcher we had a, a few years ago named, named Robbie Scott, um, who was an undrafted free agent out of Florida State uh, had been in the minor leagues for a while um, really sort of grinded and um, seeing a guy like that get the call for the first time uh, who's not necessarily a, a first round pick like a Tanner Houck. Um, watching a guy like that work as, as, as hard as he did um, to, to then get the call. Um, he was a, a guy who, who I was uh, close with just you know he, he was also really active in the community so he was somebody who I got to know and, and anytime we have guys like that who were are our uh, journeymen so to speak and um, you know you see them get the call and uh, they go into the manager manager's office and and get the news from whether it's Ben Crockett or our manager um, Billy Mcmillan um, you know those are those are stories that I always wish that we had cameras in, in those rooms uh, so that you so that people could see uh guys reactions but uh you know that that's not how things work but um anyhow those are those are just a few guys a few few good anecdotes and um certainly how can in Dahlbeck are going to continue to be fun guys to watch um this season I know
2: that we're definitely excited to see Tanner How and what he can do in a full season of play and going sort of in the opposite direction of players moving up through the system. uh, What is it like when a established big leaguer needs to come back down for like a rehab assignment or something like that? Is there a special like feeling in the air? How do the other guys on the uh, uh, Pawtucket team at the time and future WUSOX team handle it, stuff like that?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I think when guys come down for, for rehab assignments, Certainly we have a little bit more uh, media attention and, you know, there's always more media in the house and a lot of times more, more fans in the house too. Um, you know, you look, you look at a guy like Chris Sale who just went on um, the 60 day DL, you know, that that's a guy who we could easily see in, in Worcester at, at some point um, on a, on a rehab assignment. But certainly when you do get those rehab guys, I think about, um, Devers or or Xander Bogarts, um, some other big name players that have, that have come through McCoy stadium over the years on, on rehab, David Price, um, you know, certainly there's just more of a a buzz in the stadium because they're, they're big name players. And, um, it's a treat for our fans. It's, it's a treat for members of the media who come out and, and cover them. And, um, we think that Polar Park, a brand new facility, is is going to be a a perfect place to come rehab. Um, so, something we're all looking forward to. So obviously, the last
0: couple of years, the Red Sox farm system hasn't been as strong, which obviously has translated into a championship, which is every team's goal. Uh, but this year, it seems like they're starting to rebuild. We've got some exciting names on the rise. Who would you say is the one guy to look out for next year for the Worcester Red Sox? Oof,
3: one that's, that's tough or Um,
0: three. I mean, you can name a couple.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I mentioned the, the zoom chat that, uh, that Haim Bloom had with, with members of our uh, Worcester Red Sox booster club and Jaron Duran was an outfielder who, who he was highly touting. Um, and he was another guy who we got to see a lot of at the alternate site last year. Um, an outfielder with a lot of pop who can also run. Um, and we know that he had a really good uh, winter in, in the off season. So he's certainly going to be a guy that, that we'll keep an eye on in, in spring training and who knows, you know, maybe we'll see him in a, in a WUSOX Jersey. Um, I would say Brian Mata is a, is a, another pitcher with, with great stuff. Who's, pretty young uh to look out for he he was another guy who we got to see a lot of um at the alternate at the alternate site um so i think heim bloom as a as a whole has really done a great job of uh sort of replenishing our 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 farm system um and hopefully you know that that turns out to be uh uh hopefully it turns into some more exciting woosaks teams for for years to come we'll we'll see yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we hear about these guys kind of in the, you know, scouting reports They're the top guys in the system, you know, they're the guys that you hear about in a couple of years that are going to be anchoring rotations or hitting cleanup and stuff like that. Um, but one guy who is unfortunately no longer on the Paw Sox, a fan favorite, Rusne Castillo, um, you know, do you have anything to say like he kind of hung around Pawtucket, somebody called him the pride of Pawtucket, um, kind of stuck, you know, Did you have much of a relationship with Rousnay? You know, how much of, how much of a big piece was he for that team?
3: Yeah. Rousnay was great. I mean, he, he hit over 300 just about every year that he was with us. Um, and he, he certainly had a bit of a tough, um, contract situation, which certainly had an impact on, on, um, on how much, uh, he was able to, to contribute in Boston. Um, but I, I only have good things to say about Ruznay. Uh He was certainly one of the best players that we had in Pawtucket over the years. You know, I think that he was honestly good enough to be a fourth outfielder on at least a quarter of, of the major league uh, clubs. But like I said, he, he had some, he was in an interesting contract situation and, and uh, we were happy that he was able to uh, latch on up with a team and, I I believe it was Japan. I I could be wrong Um, in the off season. Um, And so, yeah, we we certainly wish, wish Rusnay nothing but the best. And, and uh, when he was in Pawtucket, he was, he was always a a good guy to deal with. And, and like I said, he was one of our, one of our best players for, for a while. So uh, nothing but good things to say about Rusnay. Yeah. We'll definitely miss Rusnay.
1: See him in a Paw Sox uniform.
3: Yeah. To uh, pivot a little bit in a different
2: direction, Focus back on you for a second. Uh, what has your relationship with baseball looked like throughout your entire life? Did you play growing up? Who were you a fan of? What kind, like, what club
3: were you a fan of? Can you tell us a little bit of, about that? Yeah, you know, I, I I did play when I was at Union College. Um, I think my love of baseball actually began with with Mo Vaughn. Uh, Mo Vaughn won the American League MVP in in 1995. He, he was it was sort of like the original big poppy. And uh, I remember after he won that MVP, I was four or five years old. And that's when I asked my dad to, to sign me up for, for T-ball. And um, you know, that, that was, that was sort of the rest is history. That's how I started playing baseball. That was really how I, I fell in love with baseball. Uh, my dad was also a, a, a Red Sox season ticket holder with a bunch of his buddies. And so, um, you know, I remember, Entering the the draft rooms that he would have with uh, his friends over over their season tickets and helping you know whispering in my dad's ear telling him hey pick pick this Yankee game you know pick pick this uh, look you know a National League team is coming to town uh, this weekend and you know I grew up I grew up biking to to Fenway Park with my dad uh, to go catch and I think all those things, that's, that's sort of how I, I fell in love with baseball. Uh, you know, I never necessarily knew that I'd be, be working in, in baseball. Um, that, that sort of started when I interned in, in, uh, in 2012, you know, I think that was sort of uh, that I realized that a career in baseball was, was something that I wanted to, to pursue. And, um, you know, I'm just really excited to uh, to open up Polar Park with with so many of my my colleagues and uh, so yeah, good good question, but a bit of a bit of a long winded answer. I Got to ask too though, uh, what position did you play? You know, it was funny. So I played second base and shortstop uh, all throughout high school. Those were really the two positions that I played my whole life. Um, but when I showed up at Union. Um, we had a, a third baseman who, who got injured my freshman year. And I remember going out for the team freshman year and the third base job was, was open. And, um, coach just sort of grabbing a bunch of, uh, of people to, to try out for third base, uh, me being one of them. And so I ended up winning the, the third base job. And I, I started there for three years, uh, at third before, um, moving back over to second base my senior year, um, when we had a, uh, a second baseman who graduated, um, and so they they moved me back over to second, and it was kind of like like riding a bike, you know, since I played uh, short my whole life. So,
1: uh, did you ever uh, did you ever dabble in the pitching department, or were you always uh, an infield guy? Oh, that was that was ugly. You never wanted to see me on a <laughs>
3: on a pitcher's mound.
1: Uh,
2: you
3: think what do you think your fastball topped out at? I, oh, in little league, that was that that was when my pitching career topped out. I didn't <laughs> I didn't touch much beyond mm-hmm. little league. I'd be I'd be lucky to sniff eighty from a pitcher's man.
1: All right, yeah, we got a little bet going on the three of us to see if uh, see if any of us can throw ninety. We gotta we gotta train a little bit harder and you know get on the mound a little bit. But you well, know, let we're... me tell you, these two think that they in a year of training can get their fastball up to
3: ninety, and I don't even think they're gonna touch like eighty five.
0: Originally, we'll, we, we, we'll see.
3: We'll, we'll have to get the three of you on, on the radar gun at Polar Park. So when the time comes, we'll, we'll get you out to Worcester and see what we can do. We'd love anytime, that. Anytime, anytime. Yeah.
0: Um, I've got one other question for you. So oftentimes, I mean, the Red Sox being a bigger market team, we've seen in the past they make these big blockbuster trades where, you know, Craig Kimbrell, Chris Sale, they'll send a bunch of prospects to another team um, for a, a big-name established player. Uh, and oftentimes there's uh, like a player to be named later aspect of it. How does that kind of work in the minors? Do you guys get like a call a month later saying, you know, the Padres want this guy now in the trade or how does that kind of work? How does that get figured out?
3: Yeah, it, it's a good question. You know, usually on our end, the the player to be named later, he could end up in um, a lower affiliate. You know, he could end up in, in Portland or, or, or Salem or, or Greenville. Uh, and a lot of times the, the player to be named later won't necessarily end up with the Woo Sox. Sometimes they will, sometimes they don't. Um, but that's those are really all things that, that happen in Boston. And then it's communicated to us and we just need to be ready to go at, at all times um, when things like that pop up. So it sort of varies on a, on a case-by-case uh, basis.
0: Gotcha. So we'll, we'll let you go after this one. I got one final question. Obviously there are a lot of goofy major league names or sorry, minor league team names. Uh, how was this? I don't even know if you know this. How was the smiley face chosen as the logo for the Woo
3: Sox? Oh, well the smiley face was invented in Worcester uh, by a guy named Harvey ball back in the 1960s. I, I, I had never known any of that smiley face History, to be honest, before we uh, before we move to Worcester, but the smiley face uh, is something that that Worcester takes a lot of pride in. Um, there's a lot of cool things in in like the like the heart, for example. Worcester sort of brands themselves as the heart of the Commonwealth, and so on every street sign in Worcester, you see a a heart, um, and on our new seats in polar park if you guys scroll through our our twitter page worcester actually used to be a uh, major league city and in in 1880 from 1880 to 1882 they had a a team called the worcester worcesters um not the most original name i don't think sports marketing departments were really too much of a thing back then but uh but they were called the worcester worcesters they had a heart heart-shaped logo and uh, that logo is actually uh, going to be on every every seat in Polar Park on the side. If you, if you go through our, our Twitter page, you'll be able to check it out, but Janet Marie Smith and, and our whole design team uh, really did a, a, a cool job with with that logo, um, but certainly smiley faces, too, uh, that you just asked, are, that's going to be another thing that you're going to see throughout the ballpark, and our mascot is named smiley ball as a, as a salute to, to Harvey ball, the, the guy who invented him. So uh, good question.
1: Uh, I'll tell you, I, so my girlfriend actually goes to school in Worcester. She goes to Holy cross. And when she heard that, you know, polar park was going under construction, all that kind of stuff, she got me a shirt and she got me the, you know, smiley baseball Woo socks t-shirt. And I love it. Like the smile, like the logo is fantastic. He's hitting a dinger. He's got the bat. It's just, I
3: love it. Yeah, no, it's and Smiley is a a lefty because here, you know, another fun fact here for you guys: uh, when Ted Ted Williams, the first career grand slam that he ever hit, was in 1939 in an exhibition game um, at Holy Cross, and so uh, that that Smiley ball swing is sort of a salute to to Ted Williams and a salute to. Uh, to Big Poppy as well. So, you know, we get that question a lot. Why is, why is Smiley uh, a left-handed hitter? Um, and, and those are, those are just a couple of the reasons, uh, Ted Williams and, and Big Poppy. And it's a great, great gift that uh, your girlfriend got you. And anytime you guys are, uh, you know, in town, we, we hope to get you guys uh, to, to Polar Park soon when the time comes and, and when, when we're able to, uh, We're you know, we're still, Working with the city, working with the state, figuring out how many fans we're we're gonna be able to let in this season. But um, you know, we certainly hope hope to get you guys there when the time comes. We know we, for sure.
2: We love that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We will
0: uh we'll definitely be there once uh time permits it. But we really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today. Um hopefully we can stay in touch and let's go Woo It should be a great season.
3: Woo! Thanks, thanks, fellas. We'll see you soon. Appreciate go it. Woo Sox. Thanks a lot. Thank you again, Joe
0: Bradley, for hopping on the show today. We hope you guys enjoyed that. It was uh, Besides Jared, our first guest on the show, I think it went, went well.
2: Yeah, I think it went great. He had uh, a lot of interesting stuff to say, really interesting perspective. I hope people enjoyed it and are excited for our, all of our future guests that we got lined up. Big things coming soon. Stay
1: tuned. Yeah, all I'm saying is don't let the Gone Bridge podcast get hot. We get Jared Carabas, We get Joe Bradley. Who knows who's next? We we don't even know. I'd I'm
2: argue we we're
0: already hot. I would say we're hot, but I would just imagine if we had like maybe two X players on the next two weeks. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd that'd be be cool. That would be
1: scorching hot. That yeah. would be like that would be like David Price in the 2018 postseason hot. We would be. You mean thirteen?
2: Oh, David, David Price. Jeez.
0: 2018, 2018 That's how my JD bad. About
2: 2016 on that 29 game hit streak. That's pretty hot. He, I, it, hot I he would is.
0: say that's that's hot. Um yeah, if you're still listening, just watch out for the next week. We might have another guest. Maybe or the two. week after. Maybe the week after that too. Don't don't the
1: week after that. We don't know. We don't know.
0: Anyways, uh, we'll jump into a little news here. Wrap up the episode. Uh Fernando Tatís got the bag. And we recorded on Wednesday last week. There was no news. And then we wrapped up, and right after, he was like, let me sign this huge deal. 14 years, $340 He's staying in San Diego. The
2: third largest contract in MLB history.
0: Where the hell is San Diego getting all this money? For a
2: guy who has yet to play an entire season of MLB baseball.
1: Steve, are are you telling me that this contract was a mistake? I'm not
2: saying it was a mistake, but I think if you're really, you're really going to send that third biggest contract in the history of the game to a guy who has yet to play an entire season of yes. MLB baseball.
0: Yes. I think it's a little, uh, it's a little, little much. I mean, people were like, oh, well, if he has another great season and then uh then maybe he'll want even more. It's like, what? Like $30 million more? You're already giving him $300 million plus. plus. Like what does it matter at that point? Um, yeah,
2: I mean, he can't make more than Betts or Trout. And no. He's already sh- the third most in the league.
0: I was shocked he even made this much. I mean, he is the poster boy of baseball. I mean, he's on the cover of MLB The Show, 21 for this coming year. Uh, I mean, he's he was electric in the few games he's played in the playoffs, but I mean, we, when you really look at it, we haven't seen that much of him.
2: Yeah, from a marketing standpoint, if I'm the San Diego Padres, I 100% do this. I lock him up for as long as I possibly can. If it takes the biggest contract in the game outside of, like, the two obvious best players in the league with Mike Trout and Wookiee Betts, then, hey, that's what it takes. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not convinced it's going to definitely work out. I think if he comes into the season next year or this upcoming year and is the Fernando Tatis that we've seen already, then great, good job, San Diego San Diego. Congratulations, you locked up your guy. But if he comes in here and he is it the best shortstop in the league, then you gotta kinda ask yourself, was it really worth it?
1: I suppose there is that shadow of a doubt, but Tatis seems like as close to a sure thing as as sure things come. And he's going to be the cornerstone of baseball. He's going to be the cornerstone of the Padres. He's going to win a lot of games for him. And usually I hate contracts that are over like eight years because they always end up like Albert Pujols, who's like just can't hit a baseball anymore. And he's getting paid $30 million. But Tatis is going to be locked up until he's 35, 36. And even at 35, 36, he'll still be a pretty good player. So I really kind of don't see the downside. I don't know that Tatis is actually going to dip. I think at twenty one he's probably only going to get better. Um, He just seems like that special of a player.
0: Fourteen years though, I mean that is a crazy
1: long time. I mean that's your World Series window now. Fourteen years. (laughs) The Dodgers
2: are now locked into two of the largest contracts in the league right now.
0: Yeah, they're paying the left side of their infield. I mean, just about sixty five to seventy million dollars a year, and in total with the two contracts, it's over. It's almost seven hundred million, I believe.
2: You could argue that Tatis isn't even the best player on his own team right now.
0: I mean, you could argue that he's not even the best hitter on his team.
2: Yeah, I mean, Manny Machado was, what, third in MVP voting last year for the NL? Yeah, (laughs) he
0: had a great year. Um, I mean, and then they also have Darvish and Snell and Clevenger. I mean, they're stacked. They're absolutely stacked. But You're going to get out what you put in. Exactly. The
1: only problem
0: is you got to play the Dodgers 18 times a year and they just got Trevor Bauer, so.
1: But you don't give yourself a chance if you don't have Fernando Tatis.
0: It's a good point. But you
2: also had him under control for, like, a while before. Like, you didn't have to do this right now.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you, like, there, Steve. I think they could have waited another year or two. Um, I mean, they basically just bought out his rookie, like, contract deal, like, for the next two years with $30 million years. I mean. Questionable, questionable decision questionable move. but overall in the long term i think it's a good it's a good move uh one of the guys you just mentioned Claussen, is moving into his last season this year albert pujols i mean he has been one of the best players in the game for our lifetime
2: yeah unfortunately like i don't remember his prime years too vividly he wasn't a guy that i would watch consistently and because he was in the nl in st louis whatever but obviously he's an all-time great player this is his last season. It's going to be weird to see him go, but, you know, congratulations to Albert Pujols on a great career.
1: Yeah. Ditto here, Steve. The, the, the machine isn't working as well. I think it's probably, it's probably due time for him to hang it up. He was getting paid way too much for what he was putting up with the angels, but you know, the game's going to be different without him. He's another one of those guys that has just been so good for so long and he'll kind of be like David Ortiz when he leaves. It's just going to be weird for a little bit. So all the best to him. Um, Angels free up like $3 million. So maybe they'll finally sign a pitcher with that money. But overall, you know, hell of a career.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is as sure a thing of a Hall of Famer as you can get to. Uh, I mean, he hit, his first 10 years, he hit 300 every year with at least 32 home runs. I mean, that's consistency to the T. I mean, he was insane. Very um, good. Obviously, he got to the Angels. He got the bag. His numbers tailed off a little bit. But for a while there, I thought that he might catch up to Bonds, the home run race. I mean, he's going to fall well, quite short. I mean, yeah, well short. I mean, he's at 662 right now, which is just about a 100 away from Bonds. But I mean, there was like, I would say around 2015, 2016, I was like, man, if he's got another five years of 30 home run. Power, it could happen, but no, he was great to watch. I mean, his Cardinals years, I mean, Steve said it, I didn't watch all of them, but his numbers are just ridiculous. And yeah, the game's not going to be the same without him.
2: Yeah, I mean, good for you guys, Angels fans. Hopefully, this gets you in a position where you can finally be a good team consistently. Yeah,
0: maybe they can sign a pitcher who's above like a number four in the rotation. Yeah, that'd be, that'd nice. be, cool, right? be cool. Very cool. Um, Let's see here. Uh, fans at Fenway Park just announced today. We don't Ooh. have the exact number, but uh, it's looking like the capacity at uh, like events in Massachusetts is going to be up to around 50 percent. so I don't know what exactly in numbers terms that means for Fenway, but I think uh, I think the boys are going to be at Fenway this year.
2: Yeah, I'm dying to go back to Fenway after not being able to go all last season. So I'm pretty hyped with this news. It just broke like a couple hours ago.
1: Yeah, I read an article and it could just be they opened it up for Gillette, TD Garden, and Fenway. And they the base number they gave out was 5,000. So I assume, I mean, 5,000 in Gillette and 5,000 in Fenway and 5,000 in TD Garden. It's all different because they're all significantly smaller than, than each other. Um, but I assume it'll probably be twenty percent capacity at Fenway, so what's that like? Yeah. Six, seven thousand fans? Yeah, I was
0: gonna say seven to eight, somewhere around there.
1: So that's a pretty good amount of fans. Um, I'll be there. I took a look at tickets; they're expensive, as yeah, you can imagine. yeah. I was
0: gonna say you got to multiply each ticket like value times five. if They're only it's
1: 11. like seventy five bucks for like nosebleed bleacher seats. That's steep. Yikes! Yeah,
2: maybe maybe, uh, maybe any Red Sox organization people listening right now hook us up with some some discount
0: tickets (laughs) Seat geek um (laughs) we love that (laughs) um yeah i mean we're gonna definitely try and get there i have a feeling the games in like the beginning of the season are gonna be a lot more expensive but uh yeah i'd love to get there i was actually at fenway last week i was traveling through boston and uh i've never been there in the winter it was so weird uh go in I asked, I got, I got completely shut down. Asked, what do you mean you asked? There was like, well, it's a vaccination site right now. So there were like people all over the place. Um, and I could kind of like look in and see into the concourse. And I asked one of the security guards, I was like, any chance I can get a look at the field? And he was like, he was not having it. I was like, all right,
1: figured so I'd at least month. ask did you learn nothing from those two guys that snuck in? You just it's gotta good. go.
0: I well, I didn't I forgot my vest. That was the problem. I didn't have the neon vest. Did you it's tell ladder, me at least? That?
2: Were huh. you like, I'm the host of the Gone Bridge podcast? Do you not know who I am?
0: Yeah, I didn't do that. I'm not like Aaron Judge's girlfriend. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Speaking of Aaron Judge. <laughs> Speaking of Aaron Judge, she's got a whole new smile. What an what? electric segue that was. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, my ex-baseball coach, Aaron Judge, I don't even know what you call it. like that s- you, you, Dental surgery? His teeth. Yeah. He got like braces. No, he did something more than braces, he, I think. I bet he had an Invisalign. Maybe. Yeah. I, I wonder if he got dentures. They kind no, of no good.
2: sponsorship from Invisalign, by the way, but uh, I think that would be my guess to how Aaron Judge fixed his teeth.
1: Who they knows? kind of look too perfect. Like I wonder if they're dentures. Seems yeah. like a pretty seems like a pretty big process. Like his teeth weren't that bad, so to rip them all out, put dentures in would be pretty bad, but
2: his teeth yeah. were kind of funny. I really like them. Yeah.
0: Out of character. Eh, it's okay. Maybe fun uh, fact, he he never won a World Series with those teeth. That's a good it's a good point, Clausen. No one's talking about that. No one is talking about that. Um, I have a feeling that his strikeout numbers are still gonna be the same though, if not worse.
2: Yeah, what if he's just really bad after this?
0: <laughs> who knows? <laughs> he's gonna have to put his teeth apart. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, in the face.
0: Yeah, who knows? Well uh we got a couple questions here. Ask on bridge ask ask who ask on bridge ask who? who gone bridge oh, i don't know a, who that is that's us dude that's us yeah that's us. as in the three oh, of us yeah right. we had people sending questions for us like specifically Isn't that that's crazy nuts i know wait about what well i'm gonna tell you oh okay okay is it like homework questions or is it like um there were a couple couple homework questions but we're not really? gonna yeah we'll do the baseball ones today All right, all right. Poor kid, poor kids with their homework questions. Yeah. Somebody should help me with my homework. All right, Mr. Communications Manager. (laughs) What are you, dude? I don't even know. I'm accounting. (laughs) Um, All right, first question comes in from Michael. A perfect question for our, from our interview today. Actually, he says, which Red Sox prospect do you expect to debut this season? And which one are you most looking forward to?
2: I guess I'll go first. I think that uh, Durbin Feltman is going to make an appearance. Who's
0: that? Who's that? Durbin Feltman. Dolan Furbush?
2: Yeah, he's got a couple of aliases. Not Durbin true. Feltman, officially, on the birth certificate. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to I think he'll come up here for a little while at least. I don't know if he's going to stay up here. But I'd like to see him pitch a little bit out of the pen See if he can bolster it a little bit. I mm-hmm. doubt it, honestly. I really
0: Pens looking solid.
2: Penn's looking yeah. solid. I don't I don't think we even need him. Uh I don't know if he'd be that much of an upgrade. To be totally honest with you, I think when he gets up here, he's just gonna get absolutely shelled, but I want to see it happen. So <laughs> shout out Serving Feltman.
3: Let's I see.
0: would say the one I'm most looking forward to is definitely Tristan Casas. but we're not there quite yet. The one that I'm expecting to come up this year. I would say might be Marcus Wilson, honestly. It's a solid choice. Not that exciting, but I could see it. If outfielder. Done. Yeah, he's an outfielder. So he, he- it's either going to be him or Duran. I know Clawson's going to talk a little bit more about Duran right
1: here. Yeah, that leads into mine. I'm going to get two birds stoned at once here and just say Jaron Duran is the one that's going to get called up and I'm most excited for just because it makes most sense. We need another outfielder. The dude ripped it up in the Dominican League. I think he, was, he played for Alex Cora, right?
0: I don't know. Be I'm honestly not sure.
1: I think that they, they were in the same organization. Anyways, I think he's going to come up, and I think he's going to be great. So I'm uh,
0: very looking forward to Jaron Duran. Yeah, definitely excited. I mean, Joe Bradley said the same thing. He's like, watch out for Duran. Me so, and Joe yeah. Bradley. Who do you guys think Dang is going to be outfield in opening day? That's a good question. Um, Honestly, this is kind of crazy to say. I think it really depends on if uh, who we're facing is a left or right-handed pitcher. She think, think- –
1: Verdugo is pretty set in center.
0: Yeah. Who do we play on opening day? We play Baltimore. Now yeah. I couldn't tell you. Now I couldn't tell you who Baltimore's number one is. That's the problem. Felix Hernandez, maybe. Uh, Felix? Definitely not. Not Felix. Uh, maybe is John Means still on the team? Yeah, it might be John Means. I'm. I'm going to say we face a lefty. I'm going to say from left to right. Um. Jeez, this is interesting. I'm going to say Renfro and left, Verdugo and center, and Marwin Gonzalez and right.
2: No, nah, I got Franchi left, Dougie Fringy and left. Wow. Yeah. Dougie and center and Hunter and, and right. Huh. Yeah. I don't think it really matters where you put them. I feel like they're all going to have to get over a learning curve. <laughs>
1: yeah. If- I, wait, I wait, why aren't we starting the Killer Bees on opening day? None of them exist anymore.
0: They hate Boston. That hurts. Boston killed the bees. Boston killed the bees. bees. Uh, That hurts. (laughs) Hurts all over again. The other question we have this week comes in from Jack. He said, if you had 100 fandom points to allocate to the teams you root for across all sports, giving more to the ones you care about, how would it go? Very wordy question, but I will try to explain it. So if you had 100 points and let's say you root for the Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, and Patriots, you know, how would you allocate them in terms of I like this team the most?
2: See, when we received this question like a week or two ago, my answer probably would have been different. But the way that the Celtics have been playing (laughs) as of late makes me sad and not want to give them any points. And actually watching the Bruins game where they were playing on Lake Tahoe, that, that bumped them up a little bit on my stock. My stock. That, was, that was pretty
0: sick. That was awesome. Except for the fact where the ice was like melting for that first game. They were like, wait, the sun melts the ice? Yeah, that was,
1: it was pretty funny to watch Gary Bettman try and fight the ice. or Try and fight the sun.
2: Dude, Bruins scored three goals in like 90 seconds that
1: game. knock is good at hockey.
2: Yeah, good at, good at puck.
1: My favorite part of that was when they all walked in with their Pit Vipers on and 90s track suits. That was awesome. That was electric.
0: Anyways, uh, answering the question for me, I would say Red Sox, 50. I would say Devils and Patriots, both 20, and Celtics, 10. Okay.
1: I would say – Yeah. I'll roll with that. Sox and Patriots, both at 40. Give 15 to the Celtics. And I'll go five Bruins. I watch the Bruins when they're good. Bruins have been good, so yeah. I watch the Bruins. Okay. <laughs> probably give Sox. I
2: don't know, forty sounds about right. It's a comfortable number for me. Uh, probably go Patriots, thirty. I'm gonna go Celtics. You can have, you can still have twenty right now, but you're real close to getting none. You're real close. And I'll give Bruins ten. Shout out to the Revolution too. You get none, but like a job to
0: drop the playoffs last year. Used to, be a New- yeah. used to be a New York Red Bulls fan back in like fourth grade. I wonder how they're doing.
3: If you got any Probably MLS well. fans
0: in here, hit us up. What's up? Probably not well. I don't MLS soccer does not do well. It's it's definitely soccer, I'll tell you that. Um all right. We'll close out the ninth year. Um yeah, Claussen, you want to start? Can't wait to be back at Fenway.
2: Wait, wait. you got any notes, Klaassen? Uh, oh, yeah.
1: I'm going to tie it in. All right. I just can't wait to be back at Fenway. Um, I can't wait to just unload my wallet into John Henry's pocket and spend $90 on those bleeds and then, you know, $60 on the concessions and 40 bucks to get home by train. So it's going to be great. My, uh, <laughs> my banker is not going to be too happy, but you know what? You only live once.
0: Hey, we gotta support the Red Sox because they don't have the money to pay for Mookie Betts. So. Exactly.
1: You know what? Maybe, maybe my like two hundred dollars that I dropped that day will go towards signing Devers or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's hopefully. a good point. <laughs> don't you wonder if one of the dollars you spent at Fenway was like contributed to a man's salary? Definitely has. No, I'm, I'm gonna think so. I would hope. I would ho- certainly hope so. The amount of money <laughs> I've dropped there over the years. Yeah, uh, I mean.
2: I I myself in the definition of a poverty franchise. So this season at Fenway is going to ruin me.
0: (laughs) Um the only thing I got, which I mean is basically an open discussion real quick. We got a new logo.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you know. Shout out to
0: Shane. Shout out Shane from Wild Chat Sports. He uh, hooked us up with a professional artist and got that drawn up. It looks pretty sweet, a lot more official.
2: Oh, wait a minute. We also got to mention this. Um, We have been invited to a fantasy baseball league. Mm. Everybody who's participating in said league has a baseball podcast. Um, It is being run... Hold on one second.
0: By Sunday League.
2: Yeah, by the Sunday League podcast. Shout out to them. There's like 15 or so podcasts uh, from varying from fan bases from like the Padres to the Angels pretty much covers the entire thing. So uh, we're going to probably in the future have a little bit of like a five minute segment, updating you guys on the league, what's going on, stuff like that. So also shout out to the pesky poll podcast. Also in that league, we're going to absolutely ruin you, dude.
0: So Uh, He's coming in straight last dog. You do not want to know what's coming.
2: Stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of excited, a lot of exciting things coming these next few weeks. Red Sox first spring training game is on Sunday, and uh, yeah, Gone Bridge is a whole new look. Um, that's about it. Pretty, uh, we we're just excited. We're excited for the season. We got some great guests today uh, lined up for the future. So don't uh, don't let us get any hotter.
2: I don't th- I don't see how we possibly could. I don't
0: think we could. All I'm saying is if the Red Sox
1: get this hot, it's going to be uh, a long season for everybody else.
0: Section 10 gets Haim, we get Joe Bradley. Section 10 gets D- Dustin Pedroia. Who Buddy. knows who we get next week. Buddy, yeah. you don't want to see who we have next week. Uh, Game <laughs> <don't> over. <laughs> Anyways. We'll give
2: you a hint. We'll give you a hint. Uh, he has three – what is he? Three names kind of? I don't know. You'll figure it no. out. What?
0: Three for the Red Sox. He definitely he did plays play baseball. Here. He plays he baseball. Both of them played baseball. Uh, I'll give you a hint. They were both on. We have a. Yeah. Both of the players were both on the 2010 team. So.
1: Could be David Ortiz. Could be Manny Ramirez.
0: Could also be like Jeremy Hermida. Could be. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> anyways, we appreciate everybody listening to Gonbridge as always uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts wherever you find your podcast uh, we love getting reviews on Apple Podcasts uh, follow us on Instagram at Gonebridge Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Gonebridge. and also you know the DMs, the questions we appreciate those and we'll be back next week with our first player on the pod for episode 18 see ya